Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. What an episode we have for you today. My little fairy van in our podcast world tells me we're up to episode 30, gentlemen. Episode 30, you heard right. 3-0, the big one. So, today, before I introduce my absolutely delicious co-host, the listeners have flocked to my DMs telling me my last week's question around the old chockies, the old chocolates, what we were. Probably the highest rating segment on this podcast for episode 29. So, boys, we're going to throw it out to you again this week. When we introduce each other, okay, what the listeners want to know this week is if you were a movie character, who would you be and why? Okay, I'm going to chuck it out and show you boys how it's done. For myself, anyone watch, watch the TV show Entourage? Yeah. I would say if I was a movie star, I'd be... I was going to say Vinny Chase, but I'm going to go with uh, Johnny Drama because oh, I've got them yes. calves, baby. <laughs> it looks the like I've got them. I looks like I've got them calf implants. Beautiful. So, if you ever see me walking down the street, looks like I'm walking in high heels. These bad boys are natural. <laughs> no Mexican supplements going into these bad boys, even after the tear. So uh, that's me, but yeah, more important people on this podcast. Producer himself, DL. How are we, mate? I'm good. If you'd said Vinny Chase, I would have been out. Uh, I reckon I look a bit like Vinny Chase. Johnny Johnny Drama, you are Johnny Drama all day, mate. All day. Victory! Mate, it's a, a huge episode for us this week. Uh, not only did the podcast hit one year's old. One year's? One year's. One year? Are we one, year one year's old? old? Well, it started in a uh, in a hotel room in uh, Brunswick, actually. <laughs> I reckon we've got to tell that story. Uh, we'll tell it one day. How good. We have to rewatch the Big Dash fight because that yeah. was a really good fight. The uh, podcast started on different grounds uh, <laughs> and evolved quickly when the boys Very. got on. So the original, the OG crew, which was just me and you, one years ago. One years? I keep saying one years. It's one year ago. It's because you're just so fond of the memories. One year. Cool thing that coincides with that, coincides with that, can't speak today. We hit episode 30. So episode yeah. 30 is the one, Craig. <laughs> Craig wrote in the chat, the music's still yeah, playing. I know that, Craig. It's an okay. intro. <laughs> Let yeah. the man do his does, work, Craig. Does it normally last this long? <laughs> no. I could, I, could, I could have sworn that it normally fades out like 20 seconds in. And then I, 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 I faded out in the post-production. Okay, all right. You just sick, ruined right. the 30th episode introduction. <laughs> This is what this podcast has come to. We can't can, even get can through an introduction <laughs> on a fucking milestone podcast. No one sent me right. a chat message during it that's about production. <laughs> no, absolutely that's, not. Sean said in. one last week. I commented on it and he was like, you don't comment on the chat, Craig. So do you that's remember that, Sean? That's got to <laughs> Oh, mate, you're lucky I didn't take you to bloody run it back court for that, oh, to be honest. Boys. It was unacceptable. I think this I is it was like unprofessional. This is, anyway. this is the basis of a runner backcourt, I think. Anyway, let's sort myself out. One year old, 30th episode, big potty today's. We head to Dubai. We cover UFC 251. We've got massive regular segments as well. But I better answer Snag's question. All right, get me. Okay, so I thought about this for the five minutes that I knew about it, and I'm going <laughs> to take uh, Jordan Belfort from the oh, Wolf of Wall Street. It. That is a lie. You, mate, I've got a reason. Oh, go okay, hit me. So, uh, Victor Belfort. So, Victor, Victor Belfort. 
Victor und wer wohnt in Victor Episode 30, Running in Hot Guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in today. The podcast is now done and dusted and we will not see you for episode 31 because we can't even do one episode. It's been a big few days. Proceed. So Jordan Belfort would be my my pick. Reason is I've just invested in the stock market. Uh, I'm in my oh, okay. fourth week of the stock market. I've made a total of two dollars forty. Fucking boy, yeah. So uh, small gains, mate. Small gains. Small gains. It's about Sounds the long. Like my calves. It's about the long game. Uh, so I think long um, term, I'll long be term. in the lifestyle of Jordan Belfort in no time. So get around me, boys. But. I've got oh, okay. a, a person to share with me. Stoney, how are you? Mate, I'm good as always. What a big week it's been, not only in MMA, but also around the world. Of course, our American friends just got done celebrating 4th of July, a big event over there. And over here in Australia, our very own Sugar Snags has spent the week commiserating a fourth of his own. Uh, standalone fourth, I believe it's called. Uh, no, not commiserating. To be honest, if I was, I'd be upset. I, this voice doesn't sound upset. It sounds perky and upbeat. <laughs> sure, we can see you crying. That's a lie. <laughs> In terms of Sean's question, I think, uh, yeah, they're going to throw it back to the old school here. Going back to 1988, Frank Dukes, Johnny Claude Van Damme, Bloodsport. Like DL, I've got a, a reason too. He was 329 wins and zero losses, which is roughly equivalent to my run it back predictions record. Look, to be honest, when I heard you say Frank, I thought more in terms you were going to say Frank the Tank because I thought you were quite compared to John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks, Frank the Tank. But going on to more important people, uh, the Statman. He's here. He's uh, ready to roll today. How are we? Mate, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. It's been a good week uh, and we've got some amazing fights heading up. Um, as far as the snag question, if you're a movie character, I think I'm going to do similar to what the boys did. Um, you look at the, the qualities that you imbibe in yourself. I like to think that I'm relatively courageous, a good person to have in a battle. I'm going with Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. He's the best, the best second person around that you want to have around. So I'm a, I'm a backup character, as you guys know from the Gulag. <laughs> so you're saying you're the best co-host we've got? Basically, yeah. yeah. That's that's, that's, that's long and short of it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. From the <laughs> Beautiful intro, boys. Let's jump into the podcast with story time with Stony. Alrighty, boys, got a bit of a sentimental one today. Once upon a time, Sugar Snags told the boys that he was a three-stripe white belt. Naturally, we didn't believe a word of what he told us, but what it did do, it did spark an interest in jiu-jitsu and submissions and grappling. So in 30 seconds or less, I want to hear from the boys, what's the favourite submission finish you've ever seen in MMA? Now, this can be in UFC, it can be in a different promotion, it can even be in a metamorous or a grappling competition. Sugar Snags. Uh, firstly, correct yourself. Four stripe white belt. Thank you very much. Please say it before I answer my question. <laughs> well, four, four is the theme of this podcast. So, yeah, four stripe four white belt. Of the week, mate. So, Snags is one is obviously a uh, historic UFC victory. Uh, I've gone Matt Hughes's uh, rear naked choke over Frank Trigg in at Matt Hughes Frank Trigg two. I think the rivalry in that one and how that fight unfolded towards Matt Hughes's win was an awesome sub and one that I love to watch over and over again, boys. It's a solid one, uh, DL. What have we got? I've gone for the moment more than the actual 
submission. So I'm taking Megan Anderson's submission in UFC 243 just because the lads were there. Oh, yeah, I like very, it. Well very sentimental. That's a very, very big one. We did enjoy that one. I remember the boys were very much up and about. Statman, have you got something you can top that one? Yeah, um, so uh, I think I was a fan of the UFC for a long, long time, but 2009 was kind of like a breakout year, UFC 100, like the big events and all that. But my submission comes from that year and it was from a lesser known event. It was Bellator 5 and we had uh, Toby Yamada submitting Jorge Masvidal by inverted triangle choke. It won best submission 20, uh, 2009. And I think it's probably the clip that I've watched the most times. Um, so Jorge Masvidal lifts uh, Toby Mata over his head and uh, upside down standing, Toby Martin manages to slap on a triangle choke. Uh, it's a actually a technical submission because Jorge Masvidal refuses to tap out, ends up passing out and collapsing to the floor while standing. It's brutal. Obviously, it's Jorge Masvidal before he hits the UFC and before he hits the big time, but it's it's such a fantastic submission to watch. You can watch it over and over again. Uh, absolutely. I remember that one very clearly. Savage, I think, is the word that, that springs to mind. Uh, I like it because you've gone, you've run it back a, a long way back with that one. Uh, surprised that Bryce Mitchell didn't feature for the boys, being a, a fairly fresh one. Yeah, interesting. Tony, you got one for the for the boys. Yeah, look, I reckon I'm going to go back a little bit like the Statman, take it all the way back to the, I won't say the Dark Ages, but we're going back to 2007. Over in Pride, Nick Diaz versus Takanori Gomi. Now, correct me if I'm wrong with the pronunciation, a go-go platter, I believe the, yeah. the submission was termed. Just a crazy uh, manoeuvre that certainly when I watched that for the first time, I'd never seen anything like it and it just left me absolutely speechless. So that one sticks out for me as, hands down, my favourite sub of all time. What's another platter sub? I'm a platter. Oh, man, I wasn't fucking talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> trying to set fucking Stony up here. Jesus. I already know I'm you sorry. know your subs, Greg. Leave me alone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, boys. That was excellent story time with Stony. We're going to jump into Hot Take. Kay Hansen, who manages a 10th planet, not only picked up a short notice fight in the UFC debut, but got 50k and also a shout out from Ronda Rousey. Uh, look, awesome start, awesome win, awesome sub, awesome shout out. Absolutely. Ronda is, without a doubt, the godmother of Armbar, so it's only fitting that she gave that shout. But speaking of shout outs, how about the lad who dropped 37k on Kay Hansen to uh, come away with the victory? So he stood to... Uh, Risk 37 to win 20, walked away with 57,000 and then met her at the airport and showed her the, the little um, the ticket. So, yeah, impressive. Was that on the Spears? What? <laughs> he wishes. I believe it was not on bit, the Spears. He wishes. Oh, okay, unfortunately. Bit rough that um, he probably ended up walking away with a fair bit more than she did. <laughs> oh, no, not with the oh. 50,000 uh, of the night bonus. Um, but super excited for Kay. She's really young. I think she's only 20 years old. Um, very, very active and pulled off a very, very solid submission over a talented opponent. So very excited to watch her fight. Eugene Berryman told Submission Radio last week, it probably means that Joe Rogan saw some information that's not good in referring to Izzy versus Costa on Tough. Uh, I would say I hope it's good. I hope it's not not good because I'd love to see Izzy on... Ultimate Fighter, I think the banter on there would be next level and uh, there'll be some good fights. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed, boys. Boys, breaking news with Stoney broke this one two weeks ago. So all I can come to the conclusion is Eugene has his wires crossed because this one is happening. 
I did listen to the the original recording. It did sound like Joe was just tossing out an idea um, about how cool Izzy versus Costa would be on the Ultimate Fighter, and then MMA media ran with it. Uh, Joe confirms it, so I think it might be MMA media getting ahead of themselves a little bit, including our Stony. <laughs> Perfect segue into an article that surfaced this week with the headline, Costa to become the face of the UFC with win over Izzy. Did Stoney write that headline? Because I don't <laughs> think he would because that is absolutely fake news, boys. And I, I know I have my rebuttals against Stoney, but this one, I would back that he would not report that because that would uh, not be true. No, absolutely correct. I did not report that. I've got to say, though, whoever wins that fight will uh, get a massive push. So will he be the new face? I, I don't think so. And that's assuming he even gets over against Izzy. Uh, but certainly if Izzy wins that fight, I think he absolutely becomes the new face for the uh, UFC. I'm probably going to say something a little bit controversial for the podcast, but I don't think at this point in time Adesanya is necessarily big enough to launch a new face of the UFC with a win over him. Um, so I don't think that Costa even with an impressive victory, will become the new face of the UFC. Podcast family Chelsea Hackett and Nadia Kassam both are talking fight announcements on social. Mate, let's hope. We're praying. We want the girls in the in the fight island in the cage, so it'd be good to see them both. Well, Chelsea get her start and Nadia back in the cage. So, uh, boys, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We'll see the girls in there banging and getting some Ws. For sure. Nothing more to add. Ditto, Sugar Sean. Uh, I'm just excited to see if the podcast uh, generates some sort of good luck charm. So if we can get both of these guys to get into their next fight and have a win, we'll have a, a good case to make that our podcast is just luck incarnate. So that's what I'm excited to watch. True. Chelsea's been on and she's won. Oh, that's we it. did, yeah. Got on and then she had a win, didn't she? That's it. We're an yeah, so omen at the one moment. For one. That's, that's, that's the theory that I'm running with. At the We're moment. one for one. Yeah. That's your best stat so far, Craig. Mike Perry now famously had only his girlfriend in the corner during the Vegas fight night for. Perry's girlfriend has no MMA experience at all. If you were going to have one person in the corner with you, who would it be? Uh, I would have my deputy mayor of Tasmania with me once I get nominated for premier. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Well, I get to nominate them because I'm going to be the premier. Craig's. So we're back to square one. You're going to nominate. It'll be Statman. Statman. Oh, yes. I'll take it. In the corner. He knows two platters, mate. You only know one. <laughs> <laughs> I know a face. Go, go, Pider. I'm not in that position. I got his arm. <laughs> I know a face platter, which I'm going to give you next time I see you in person. <laughs> Ooh. That's not a sub. <laughs> <laughs> Who would I have? Uh, I feel like I'm leaving DL out if I don't give him a shout. But look, I always thought the billion-dollar princess Stephanie McMahon, Helmsley and Stoney would make a brilliant couple. So uh, following in Mike Perry's successful lead, I'm, I'm taking Steph. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take Denzel Washington, um, but only if he can come dressed as Coach Herman Boone from... Remember the Titans? Just so I know that if I'm getting fucked up in the fight, he can give me like that Gettysburg speech that he gives the Titans. Um, you'll they'll remember you, yeah, yeah, and and I'll be good. I'll be good to go back out there. I think that that's that's key to my victory is having Denzel Washington in my corner.
let's jump into a leaderboard update, lads. Statman, want to talk us through some results from Vegas Fight Night 4. Uh, so we took uh, picks for four fights on the main card of UFC on ESPN 12, or Vegas 4, as it was known. So we had Brendan Allen defeating Kyle Dorcas by decision, Maurice Green defeating Jean Valente via submission, Mike Perry defeating Mickey Gall by decision, and Dustin Poirier versus uh, defeating Dan Hooker by decision. Nice, and let's jump into the leaderboard. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending who you're talking to, Sugar Snags. Fortunately, Snags is coming last because that's where he likes to be, Um, so he can uh, play the long game and get back on top, boys. Okay, I love that attitude. So Snags is on 36, who is outright last. Coming into third place, unfortunately, I slipped back another place to 38. So there's a gap between fourth and third. So there's a two... Two is yeah. not a gap. It's got to be mate, several two, numbers two's to be big, a gap, mate. Like that's in a card that we only pick four or five fights, mate. That's a big gap. It's a buffer, mate. Yeah, I we like both it. got one out of four. No, that's all right. Let's not gap. talk about last week. It's fine. I'm talking about the current present time. One of the best nights. Statman continues his great form and he's fighting back. Now he's pushed into second space. My first time, not last. Well done, mate. Ever. You jumped us both and moved up to thirty-nine. And our boy, Stoney, still champ. And with tradition, a new song. If you smell, what the... Stoney, <laughs> as in the number one newsbreaker in the business and still leaderboard champion, I'd especially like to remind a sugar snags that you are last. Well done, Statman. <laughs> Is cooking. <laughs> you put that together. <laughs> All I've got to say is finally Stoney has come back and is still leading the leaderboard boys. And still, ironically, the Rock and I share a few things in common. He's the people's champ. I'm the people's choice. He's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. I'm the most electrifying newsbreaker in the history of social media. He lays the smack down on people for a living. I lay the smack down on Sugar Sean just for the fun of it. And Sugar, there's two things you can do about it. Absolutely nothing and like it. (laughs) Stony out. Oh, Jesus. I don't know how many times you practice that in front of the mirror, but I'm fucking concerned. I'm highly concerned. Oh and I feel gosh. like you need a fucking other hobby. <laughs> the best thing I've ever heard, though. Uh, but I do I do commend you for that. Well done. That was worth working on that. It was great. That was amazing. Jesus. Oh, God. All right, boys, we've got some talking points from uh, the fights. First one we might start off with is, um, obviously we'll start with the main event, which was um, Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier, which was an absolute banger. Uh, where do you rank that? Especially when you look at the the Joanna fight with Wei Lee, and we were talking about that being fight of the year in 2020, and then suddenly this fight comes along. Boys, what do you reckon? I think if you look at, if you, I, I've watched both fights now multiple times. Recency bias is a thing in MMA, and... Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier is just such, it's, it's I, I still have like a lot of the emotions that I had when I was watching the fight bubbling inside me. I had to go back and check like my social media posts and like even the chat from the Whaley Zhang Yuan and Yedre check fight just to kind of get a feel of 
what the emotions were like then when we were watching that fight. I do think the Zhang Yedrechek fight might still have my vote for fight of the year 2020. Um, I'll be watching both of those fights again in December just to see how my feelings square out. But regardless of if it's first place or second place, Hooker Poirier was just absolutely amazing. It was exactly what we hoped the fight would be. It's exactly what every Dustin Poirier fight is. Like that man put him in with literally anyone in the lightweight or featherweight division. And he's just abs- an absolute stud when it comes to fight uh, putting on fights that the fans want to see. But I do think I'll have to take Zhang and, and Yedrechek. Just the brutality of it was insane. You're just going to log on to Fight Pass in December and say, Merry Christmas, Stanley. Uh, it's We're just going to be a little fights, advent baby. calendar of good fights for me. <laughs> we could do that as a segment. Yeah, perfect. Advent calendar of fights for December. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I would probably go the same as Statman. I'd go Whaley versus Joanna still topping it. So I think that was an absolute war and just the ending, especially like the visual of Joanna's face as well. Yeah. It's pretty hectic and pretty vivid in my mind. But, mate, the boys put on a show. I was a bit disappointed that our boy Dan Hooker didn't get the victory, but made props to him. I don't think he gets anything, doesn't get anything from that loss, to be honest. No, doesn't drop Um And he pushes him further up. Be good to see him in the next fight. Yeah, and no, I think Statman raises a great point about going back and re-watching the fights. I've, I've not gone back and watched the the uh, Joanna and Waylee fight and I... Uh, Dan Hooker and Poirier, it's so fresh in the mind that I'm inclined to lean that way. But again, like Statman said, maybe that's just recency bias. But again, two great fights and it really doesn't matter which one is is the fight of the year. They were both great fights for us. So another fight that was on that card, obviously the Mike Perry-Mickey uh, Gall fight. Now, are we finding that Mickey Gall is actually UFC calibre? Because what, what's he got? A win against CM Punk? A loss and a loss? I think Three he, UFC he fights? Did he get over Sage Northcutt? I think he did. He yeah, did. He, Sorry, he touched he up did, Sage. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I look. I'll be honest. Coming to this fight, I, I didn't think either Mike or uh, Mickey were UFC caliber. Um, I expected a little bit more of Mickey. In I thought that he he would at least get a takedown and threaten with something, and that just didn't happen. Um, Perry certainly showed that there is levels to the game, and and his level is he's just UFC caliber, I believe. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm starting to have my doubts that perhaps uh, yeah, perhaps not for Mickey. I know we focus heavily on this podcast about the UFC and we know the MMA world is a massive, massive world, but we kind of do treat the UFC like the top echelon of promotions, which you would think are bringing the best fighters into that game. Sage Northgate's the perfect example. Uh, He went to one championship, one championship. Yep. Uh, One fight, got absolutely knocked out in the first round. He got his skull destroyed. That's right. It was brutal. Not, not saying that that's anything to go on his skill set and into that league, but, you know, we're talking about the UFC in the sense of being that top echelon fight. Do we want to see Mickey Gall being a co-main? I, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, we'll ever see Mickey Gall in a co-main position ever again, and I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see him back in the UFC cage, at least not for a little while. Um it, I, I think Stoney hit the nail on the head. You've got uh, a fighter who knew his pretty much his main avenue to victory was submissions and seemed completely inadequate to be able to bring that fight into that realm. So, um, I again, I had doubts as to whether or not he was UFC caliber going into this fight, and he did worse than my expectations. So I would say no. Uh, moving on to our next point, Volante moved into the heavyweight. Uh, he had to put on about 50 pounds over his previous weight class. He looked in fine form. I don't yeah, think- look, I uh, actually supplied him with his nutrition plan <laughs> for this one. 
Uh, we went nothing but snags and burgers, baby, and we got there. So victory on the old weight. There you go. If anyone's looking for a new dietitian, snags is in the game. You took a bit of agency away from him there, I think, DL, with the he had to put 50 pounds on. <laughs> The uh, the heavyweight weight limit was a whole two pounds heavier than the last time he weighed in, but he <laughs> stacked on fifty pounds. Stacked on fifty. He didn't have to come in at two fifty five, but he did, uh, and it showed every single every single pound showed on his frame and in his gas tank. Challenge accepted. Um, obviously, it was rough. It was rough. Game plan, baby. Uh, boys, another talking point from the weekend fights was the battle of the prospects. So we had um, Alan versus Dadakis. Sorry. Dorcas. Dorcas, which had had fight of the night pretty much written all over it. They were going back and forth. But um, what's next for those two lads? Obviously, I, like, I, I when I was looking back at the chat for um, Hooker and Poirier, I was struck by just how much I was talking about this fight in the chat as it was happening. Two submission-focused fighters, and they just went to town, the kicks, the brawls. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, and I was like, well... I know that I've got Poirier and and um, Hooker coming up, but I think that fight might have just won fight of the night. And then obviously Hooker, Poirier happened. But as far as where the middleweight division is at the moment, I would love to see Brendan Allen against a fighter maybe of the caliber of Brad Tavares or like in that in that maybe tw- 25 to 20 range. Um, and Dorcas, he, he lost. It was, it was his first professional loss. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe against a debuting middleweight contender, but I really, really desperately want to see both of those fighters in the cage again sometime soon. Dorcas took the fight on short notice and risked his um, undefeated streak uh, while doing it. Lost, but came out looking like a winner. Cool. <laughs> Sick one. You can cut that. That's fine. No, no. It was a I good fight. It. I challenge you to watch it. Stoney's been awesome on this segment. <laughs> And boys, do we see any fights? If you're playing matchmaker out of the weekend, where does someone like Hooker go? I know he's calling out Tony Ferguson, uh, Dustin Poirier. A little bit quiet from Dustin Poirier. Didn't really call anyone out. I know he wants Gaethje. But where do we see matchmakers? That's a tough one, eh? Like that division's so stacked. Like Hooker can go basically anywhere. It depends on who's available and who's going to fight and how long it takes him to recover. Same with Poirier. It'll just be interesting to see what happens with Khabib, to be honest. Like when's Khabib's last fight? Was that... Who did he fight last? He fought Poirier, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like ages ago. So I guess that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. Obviously, like, he's just had his father pass away as well. So it's probably going to be a while before he steps back into the cage. But it'll just be interesting to see how we get towards that title fight eventually. Yeah, look, I think Tony Ferguson, he obviously took a – his stocks took a big loss in the Gaethje fight. But he's not he's not out of the race. I think he did enough in the lead-up that he's still firmly in the mix. And I think Poirier and Tony Ferguson would be, you know, a nice fight as the uh, – you know, knockout for the number one contender. Uh, whoever wins that gets uh, the winner of Gaethje and Khabib. But then at the same time, if Gaethje upsets Khabib, it's it's hard not to run that one back given how dominant Khabib's been. So uh, I'm just going to take a little bit of a wait-and-see approach on, on that division. Uh, I know we all love uh, Dan Hooker on this podcast. I want to see him go up against... Because I don't think that he's lost a lot in that fight. I think that he probably main, he should maintain his standing because he took it to Dustin Poirier in that fight. I would love to see him against Islam Makachev. No one wants to fight this dude. He's ranked 11th in the lightweight division. It would be a dangerous fight for Hooker to take because I think that Islam has a lot of skills that might challenge Dan Hooker. But I think it would show that Dan is a game fighter and he's got the height and the reach to maybe give Islam some trouble that his other opponents haven't. But I think that would be a real standout performance for either Dan or Islam. Any of you boys got someone that you want to see back in the cage? 
Like just a specific fighter? Doesn't have to be a fight? Wiley Zhang. Yeah. Zhang? Yeah. Man, I want to see my boy Kron Gracie. Oh, yeah. Match. That last fight, even though he lost it, I thought it was an awesome fight. He stood up and bang, went for the distance. Whew, get around me. Did good. Well, boys, we might move into our predictions for UFC 251, the first fights on Fight Island. Let's talk and kick this off with our first fight. Perfect. So we head into the cage with Amanda Rebus versus Paige Van Zandt in the women's flyweight division. I've dropped the stat a couple of times that highlights fighters who had a finish streak before the UFC and then a decision streak after. Paige Van Zandt actually kind of flips the script with this one. So her finish rate pre-UFC uh, was actually only 33%, but her finish rate in the UFC from the fights that she wins is 80%. Um, so obvious, I, I don't know if it's just a, a maturation process. She came into the UFC, I think she was only 3-1 and one or 4-1. and one. Um, So she's had a chance to mature inside the, the octagon. But she seems to finish most of her victories inside the inside the octagon. Uh, as far as this fight, credit to Paige Van Zandt for taking this one. But I can't fathom a time or place in this fight where Rybus isn't going to be absolutely dominating Paige Van Zandt. Uh, Amanda is a beast of a fighter, a true next generation fighter, and someone who I am I would almost put. A, the bet the house on seeing Amanda Ribas fight for the title at some point in the near future. So I'm taking Amanda Ribas and yeah, this is a safe bet for me. Yeah, for sure. Look, when I saw Paige Van Zandt was coming back, I, I was excited. I guess in a casual, just sort of jumping for joy a little bit to see a, a big name finally come back. Uh, then I saw her opponent and all, all that just went straight out the window. I think uh, this is a, a, a fairly decisive one. Ribas is a, uh, She's on a bit of a streak, nine and one. It's a really dangerous fight. And after the long layoff, I, I it was really surprised that Paige took this one, to be honest. Yeah, it took me by surprise as well. Um, I can't see it going Paige's way. She's coming off a long, I think, January 2019 with her last UFC event. She's had two broken arms since then. She's looking in absolute fine nick. She's going up against an absolute beast. So I look, I'd love to see Paige get the win, but it's not going to happen. So I'm taking Rebus. Uh, look, I'm with you boys firmly. I'm going Rebus as well. Interesting. Perfect. Should we move? Yeah. We'll move on to very our interesting. next. F- very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Just throwing a bit of shade. Just get on it, boys. Yeah. Print screen on something. Just give me one second. <laughs> just going to paste that there and we'll we'll return to that one later. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Huh? The boys are getting nervous now, aren't they? Um, oh, Kurt Paul Gregory, call me. Not nervous at all. Um, Your last buddy. Moving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing the boys. I'm throwing the boys because I'm picked. I'm you just picked don't want to lose. You don't want to go further back. <laughs> no, I, if you look at the Google if you looked shit, at the I shit, had you had have no, no. Before that, have I had right. <laughs> yeah, I changed it just to throw okay. the boys, <laughs> which I have. Everyone's gone into turmoil. <laughs> I don't think any of us are concerned about your picks on this podcast, mate. Especially not if you get Paige Van Zandt. It would have been fine with you. I would have been like, yeah, mate, you take that risk. That's fine. No, I just assumed it was legit, to be honest. Yeah. Anyone else, and I would have seen it was a practical joke, and I saw Snags, and went, it makes sense. Next. Moving on to the next fight, uh, in the women's strawweight division, we have Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas. Great stuff. Great stuff. 
After Jessica Andrade slam finish over Rose Namajunas in their first fight, it should come as no surprise that Brazilian native goes by the nickname Bata Estaca, which means pile driver in Brazilian. What actually surprised me is that she got this name years earlier when she was making her way through regional MMA and she didn't actually get the nickname from dropping uh, Rose Namajunas on her head. I thought it was a recent nickname. It is not. It is a historic nickname. Into my pick for the fight, uh, this is the fight that I've struggled to nail down an answer to. I am going with Rose Namajunas. She backs up defeat really well. Uh, she comes out hard. And I think that she was she was clearly winning the Andrade fight before the KO. I just think that the extended time off might come into play here. Um, but I am taking Nami Yunus in this one. I remember distinctly going into the first fight. I, I was on Jessica Andrade. I just thought the power might be too much um, for Rose to take. And when we broke this on Breaking News with Stoney, shout out, months ago, many months ago, I made the comment that Jessica should take the, the rematch. Um, and it was actually a comment by Statman. He said, if you watch her back, Rose actually was faring really well for herself. And for some reason, maybe it was too many Bud Lights in the studio uh, DL at the time. But I remembered that fight just being a bit of a one-sided fight. As it turns out, I omitted the entire first round where Rose was really piecing her up. She was moving in and out, had great footwork. And I just think it was sheer, un, you know, sheer bad luck that she got dropped on her head and that put an end to that fight. So having gone back and rewatched it, um, I was, you know, I was hoping we might differ on this one, but we're not. Um, I'm also on Rose. Shock. Mm. This is this is my moment. I'm taking Jessica Andrade. I feel like it's going to go a similar way to the first for to that to the fight. I don't think it's going to it's going to pole driver and drop on her head again. But I don't know. I just don't think Rose has the same mentality. As she used to. So it's a big call and I know I don't have much to go on, but I just got a vibe that it's going again to Jessica Andrade and I'm going to climb a little bit closer to Statman and Stoney. Uh, look, boys, I'm firmly with Deal on this one. <laughs> yes. Come Jessica Andrade as well. Uh, so I think yeah. I think the same thing like last fight. Obviously ended in a spectacular form. Um, why I really, really wanted to back Thug Rose... Um, I think Jessica's going to get it done, get it done again. Uh, moving on to our first of three championship bouts, uh, we have Petty Yarn versus Jose Aldo in the Bantaway division. Nice quick one for you, Petty Yarn. Despite making his debut seven years after Dominic Cruz, he has more UFC victories under his belt. Um, going into this fight against Jose Aldo, I'm one of the few, it seems, that does believe that Aldo actually lost his Bantamweight debut. It was a close fight, but I do believe that he lost it. And I just think that while he's still chronologically young, I guess you could say, he fight age, he is an older man. Uh, Pedian is young, hits like a truck. And I think we've seen Jose Aldo start to struggle with his chin, Conor McGregor, Definitely put the dinner at Max Holloway, pieced it up. So I do think that dropping weight, cutting weight, then coming in against a heavy striker such as Peter Yarn might just be a little bit too much for Jose Aldo at this point in his career. Um, and I am taking Peter Yarn. 
Yep, nailed it. Uh, chronologically, not that old. Uh, I think if you look back, Aldo was 27 when he fought Conor McGregor, which is, you know, roughly the the prime of a fighter's career. I think it's a general comment, but they're, they're generally up and about. That's where they start going on a, a nice little streak. Since then, Jose has gone, I think it's three and five since the age of 27, which really uh, underpins that comment about fight age. I think the, the early part of his career where he was so dominant actually did take uh, a, a lot out of the body. And uh, you have to agree, Petty Yarn, you know, I'm intrigued that the boys are throwing away their picks uh, already. I'm, I'm keen to see what they do with this one. For, for me, this is ironclad. I think it's the, the young up-and-comer uh, every day of the week. Uh, Pe- Who'd you pick? Petty Yarn. Shock. <laughs> uh, Petty Yarn for me also. This is too much for Aldo. I think the chin factor plays heavily in this, as the stat man talked about. Chin, they should start calling it chin years. So that adds to your, uh, as soon as that chin gets touched up a couple of times, it's like a dog year. Jumps up seven. <laughs> so Eldo's like <laughs> yeah, that for 57 or something Bro science man I In love it. years Bro science uh, Look boys I'm going Peter Yarn as well for this one I think he's going to get the job done I think Aldo is while a legend of the sport Probably a little bit past his time on this one And I don't think he's got the victory So Peter Yarn for snags Moving into our co-main event Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway For the UFC featherweight title Max Holloway is one of only three fighters to hit 20 UFC fights without being knocked down. The other two who achieved this are John Jones and BJ Penn. Both of those fighters have now since been knocked down in a fight. Um, so uh, Max Holloway is still fighting strong without being knocked down. Uh, but I reckon we might see it happen this fight. As far as my pick, um, we're picking finish for this one as well, I believe. I'm taking Alexander Volkanovsky by decision in this one. I just think that the first fight, there was a clear difference. It wasn't necessarily that uh, Max made mistakes. I think Max fought a really, really good fight. I just think Volkanovsky was better. And I don't know if there's much that Max could change about his overall game, especially recently reading that he's been training solo, just doing shadow boxing with his coaches uh, zooming in to talk to him, which to me, doesn't say that he's going to make the necessary fundamental changes to his game that he would need to put on a significantly different fight than he had the last fight against Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski had his number then. We'll have his number now. Statman, it's getting harder and harder to follow you uh, with these predictions just because you are nailing it. Um, Look, let's be honest, Max Holloway, I'm not sure we he's ever been in a situation where we've needed to see him change his approach and change his game plan uh, like we're in right now because the Volk certainly had his measure, uh, I feel. Although, in hindsight, you go back, you rewatch that fight, it's not as decisive as what a lot of people uh, walked away in December thinking. If you rewatch it, it's a lot closer than, than what a lot of people on the forums believe. But very rarely, and I can't think of many examples where, uh, and I'm not going to use the the term young because Volk is actually three years older than Max and that surprised me when I saw that. But very rarely do you see someone come and dethrone a champ and then when they rematch, the champ actually turns the tide and takes it back. Now, I know there are some exceptions, but I don't see this being one of them. Uh, Unlike Statman, who's going the decision, I'm going to go a little bit more emphatic. I think Volk uh, catches him, so I'm going third round TKO. I'd love to see Volk catch him. I, I it's Volk for me as well, and I'm going to say decision. Really like that TKO though for round round three, but 
stick with decision. I reckon it's an absolute war. The cool thing about a Max and a, a Volk fight is that you know it's going to be exciting. You know these boys are going to stand in front of each other and bang. Um, we love that. Got a note as well, like the the, the octagon Yas Island is a full-size octagon. It's not the apex center size. So interesting to see how some of the finishes go. I don't think that's the, the, the definite reason, but I think it's definitely a decision when it's going five rounds. Yeah, look, I'm going to go Volk as well. Uh, look, boys, I think decision, but um, I really want to throw out the TKO, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go decision as well. And um, I think Volk gets it done again. I think he'll have his number. Last fight was awesome, so I can't wait to watch it again. But yeah, let's see the boys bang and see a victory for our fellow Australian. Uh, so we move into our main event of the evening, welterweight title fight, Kimura Usman versus Gilbert Byrne. What? Breaking news with Stoney. Opportune timing for that interruption just there. We have some breaking news right off the top. Statman Gilbert Burns is no longer. He's to come. Uh, well, I, won't, I won't use the word to come. That's a little, little heavy. <laughs> but COVID, COVID has struck. And uh, poor old Gil, no chill Gil, is off the card. Luckily... There's a bad motherfucker in town. Hawaii Masvidal has accepted on six days' notice. Boys, I'm just going to keep it really brief. I'm actually more excited for this one. This, this was six months in the making and they couldn't get a deal done. In the space of 36 hours, they managed to get Masvidal across the line. And as we speak, he's flying out right now. I'm really aroused for this one. Boys, what do we think? It's fantastic. It's an absolute fantastic opportunity. So I think someone got their check better out, than the original. To fight. be honest, I think oh, Masvidal got to, paid. Uh, I don't think he got the money that he wanted, but I think he got a little sweetener. It would have had, he to. had to. Well, I'm going to have to tear up my uh, my stat about Gilbert Burns' blood type, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I, positive. I mean, I can't. I can't think that this. Yeah, positive. I can't think that this wouldn't be anything but a win for Hawaii Masvidal. A, you know, he's getting paid. B. If if he wins, a legendary story. And if he loses, I mean, he took a fight on short notice halfway across the world. Like, where's the downside in this? Like, there's if even if he makes it competitive, he'd be like, oh man, I, if I had a full camp, you know, I would have fucked him up. Um, like the storyline writes itself. And I've been enjoying watching Gilbert Burns like tear his way and fight pretty much everyone in the in the UFC's worldwide division. That's exciting. Same reason I like Leon Edwards, but you can't tell me that Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns are anywhere near as exciting as Jorge Masvidal. So um, Kimura's man versus Jorge Masvidal is a much better main event um, and, and has got me in the last two minutes just completely reinvigorated. Please announce our new fight. Fuck, all right. Uh, so, our main event, UFC Welterweight Championship, Kimura Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Luckily, I always have a backup stat for all the fights, boys. Um, stop it. When Rafael Dos Anjos used a Kimura to sweep Kimura Usman in their fight, the world briefly saw something that they had never seen before and have never seen since. Kimura Usman in bottom position. Dos Anjos bravely kept Usman in this position for a total of two seconds before Usman was able to scramble to his feet. To date, 
Those two seconds are the total time that Usman has ever spent in bottom position in his 11-fight UFC career, uh, which is obviously insane. He's got a 100% takedown defense rate. Um, the man is a grappling legend. And for Dos Anjos, I, I don't think that Jorge Masvidal has the grappling chops to uh, correctly fight uh, Kamura Usman the way you need to fight him. Not only that, we saw in the Colby Covington fight that Usman can scrap uh, and hits like a truck as well. I think he's more likely going to use his grappling skills to his advantage in this fight. And I do think that it's going to be a sad fight for Jorge Masvidal fans when Kamura Usman leaves this one with a decision victory and the Weight Championship around his waist and a 12-fight win streak in the UFC Weight division. Yeah, look, I, I see on the forums a lot of people are counting out Masvidal already. Obviously, they're clearly grateful he's stepped up at short notice. Uh, they're saying Kamara Usman, he, his wrestling's just going to be too much. And, you know, I'll just remind people that Ben Askren is a phenomenal wrestler and we know how that, that fight panned out. But, you know, I, I, I say this one, this is really dangerous and it does have decision written all over it. I think Usman, he, he's much more well-rounded than, than Ben Askren, particularly in the stand-up, as Statman alluded to with the Colby Covington fight. Uh, also, he's been training with Justin Gaethje, who I think if you're trying to mimic uh, Masvidal, a, a strike-happy wrestler, I think Gaethje's a perfect person to be preparing with. Um, so inadvertently, I think Kamara Usman comes into this fight really well-prepared for the matchup. And... I don't think it damages Masvidal too much if he doesn't get the job done because, as the stat man said, the marketing, it, it plays itself out. You can always uh, run that one back with, this is what happened on six days' notice. Let's see what happens on three months' notice. So uh, I don't think Masvidal's stocks drop dramatically with a loss, but I do see this being uh, yeah, a, a fairly yeah, a fairly tiring night for Masvidal where he spends a lot of time on his back. And I'd love to see a finish from Usman. I can't see it. And I've actually seen Usman fight and I forgot about it, but this was dating back the night after UFC 189 when Connor fought Chad Mendes. They had the, the tough finale when it was the American top team versus the Black Zillions. And I went in, there was a, a young fella, Haider Hassan, who I was a big rap for, and Usman finished him with a submission. I'd love to see Usman make a statement in this one and, and try and uh, buck that stigma of just being a decision fighter. But... The prediction is, uh, I think it goes the five rounds and I think Usman wins a decisive scorecard. I've got two concerns for this. One, that people are going to start thinking this podcast is scripted with what's going on at the moment. Two, that I don't think Masvidal is going to have the tank to take five rounds with Usman. I think Usman's going to want it to go five rounds. I think he's going to want to take him into waters that he's never been. Uh, so I can't see Usman losing this fight and it'll be also a decision. Well, look, boys, I was going to go uh, Shredder from Ninja Turtles, but I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going Masvidal, uh, and I'm going to go round three TKO. Uh, I think he's going to come in and come in hot. Uh, while Usman has got the camp behind him and he's coming in on six days' notice, I think we should see an absolute banger of a fight. Some fireworks go off. Fourth of July style for our American friends and listeners, and uh, Snag's going to get the W here, boys. Suck it, Stoney. I've just had a I've just had a terrible thought, and I know you boys often pull me up for my negative thoughts and to put positivity out into the world. Um, Masvidal making weight when he uh, he's obviously on the lighter side when it comes to the welterweights. He's going to spend most of this week traveling to Dubai. He didn't know he was fighting until today. He's got to make weight in three and a half days' time. Uh, and he just had his July 4th weekend. Do we think that that is perhaps a concern? Because that is the only the only scenario I can see that Masvidal comes out of this fight a loser or looking looking any worse for the wear. Even if he gets 
finished in the first round a one week's notice, but if he misses weight and then goes on to lose, or if he misses weight and goes on to win, that often has a lot, uh, like an even bigger detrimental effect because you're fucking up the division. Are we concerned about that at all? I don't like to think negatively, but no. <laughs> Look, I can't imagine that. I think the UFC would have had to have factored that in because they had another prime candidate in, in Colby Covington, I think, if there was any concern that Masvidal couldn't make the weight. Um, so I think they would have weighed up all the, the possible scenarios and went with not only the you know, the most marketable fight, but also the fight that's most likely to happen. So, you know, I'd like to err on the side of caution that this one does uh, go according to script. Boys, before Statman puts any more shade on this card, let's move into a little bit of fun. Let's move into our sugar value. Boys, the shout-outs come quick and fast this week, but we're going to highlight just one, our boy, On The Spears. On The Spears was back, and I thought he was on this week. I really thought he was on. So he's went early, straight after. And I feel like he's going against me sometimes. So he took the Saints to beat my Tigers in the AFL, and the Saints got up, which was good. And I thought, mate... It's his first win in like two weeks. Yeah, first (laughs) win. I thought, on the Spears is here. He even like sent me a little cheeky DM to go, I'm on DL. Like, I don't even know this bloke. It's all weird. And then he took uh, Mickey Gull and Hooker, which both lost. So, mate, out you go. And then, he, and then he took the Cowboys and the Titans, who both got flogged in the NRL. So, mate, <laughs> on the Spears, no shirt for you once again. Not good. Uh, boys, I don't think we had any wins either uh, last we, week, Sugar Bow, because we went a little bit ridiculous. Have we ever had a win? We haven't had a win yet. <laughs> no, we, we haven't had a win. A couple of the boys keep forgetting when their leg starts, which is an issue. <laughs> I don't know. Mine finishes on the first one anyway, so it doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. matter. <laughs> but, boys, there was no wins last week, so we might move on to some Sugar Bets this week. Mate, this could be the week where we uh, we pull it off. So, uh, Statman. Yeah, mate, I've got a nine-fight parlay this term. Um, there's a couple of really good debuting fighters on this card that haven't got a whole lot of love from the odds makers. So there's, there's the M1 global champion, Robin Bogatov. I've taken him, Martin Day, Makwani Miyakani, and then we get into the Ryzen light heavyweight champion, Jiri Prochaska. Jiri Prochaska. Um, he's going against Vulcan Uzdemir, which is a tough test for his first fight in the UFC. But Jiri is, if you've watched him fight, he's an incredible competitor. And so I'm taking him for the upset. Roll that into my picks from the card. Amin Arribas, uh, Rose Namajunas, Pityan, Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, and Kamuru Usman by decision. And we have a 144, uh, sorry, a 122.10 uh, bet. Chuck 10 bucks on that. You're clearing over a grand, 1200 bucks. Like looking at the st- looking at the picks, I mean, my recent form has been absolutely awful. But those would be the picks that I would make normally, anyway. So, despite the underdog status of those newcomers, well done, Stanman. Good luck. Thank you, Stony. Yeah, boys, we'll keep Stony. Will probably just pick this. Keep same. this one uh, short and sweet. So it's the five predictions that I've made earlier on the podcast. So Ribis, Rose, Petty Yarn, and then Volk by KO TKO and Usman on points. Now, I've got a bit of a long, long game, and that might be frowned on a little bit uh, by the sugar gods. Mine's not going to be settled until November. Oh, oh man. Huge long game. I think yeah. I'm feeling it. I think I'm feeling it too, Stat, man. I like it. 
There's been a new contender for the US presidential election. Oh. Kanye West. If anyone bumps up some sugar value, it's Kanye. So, six leg, uh, all my predictions. Kanye West to take out the 2020 US presidential election. Like paying $1,600. So, throw a lazy 10 on that. 16000 That's a hell of a Christmas party for the runner back crew. Oh, yeah. These are on me, boys. Yes, get it, son. <laughs> well, boys, <laughs> I don't know if I can match that. Got a bit of value in mine though. Uh, so mine is a six-leg multi. Uh, I've taken some inspiration from last week from Stony as well. I've got two AFL games, so I'm taking the Tigers as I do every week. They are playing Sydney Swans on Sunday in the first game in the hub in the AFL. Gold, I'm taking Gold Coast over Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne were terrible last week against the Tigers. And then I'm going to go Paige Van Zant. I know I said in the podcast that. She was no chance, but she's paying six dollars fifty. That doesn't make her any and, more of a chance. And rightfully <laughs> so. Yeah. Six dollars fifty. So that really boosted the multi. Andras and Masvidal. Masvidal is, in, uh, is a is a dog in the fight, and uh, I'm taking an EPL. So I'm taking Tottenham. Two dollars forty. Tottenham's actually favourite in that game. So Arsenal. So that rounds me out uh, to four thousand three hundred. $4,338. But if I give it a little old boosty, uh, that comes out to $5,378. Jesus. I feel, ridiculous I feel very underdone in my sugar value. Uh, so I've got a 10-leg multi-boys. Um, so it's got my picks, obviously, Rebus, uh, Andre, Yarn, oh, Volk, Masvidal into the AFL. I've gone uh, Brisbane over Geelong because I hate Stoney. Uh, Gold Coast over Melbourne. The Bulldogs over the Broncos. Storm over the Raiders. South over the Tigers. Boys, I was thinking about going an 11-leg multi. Um, I did check the odds for an exotic bet with uh, Sportsbet, and they told me that it was too short of odds to actually put in my multi. It was at 1.02. So yeah. that's, uh, that's some uh, Maccabi Diva. Uh, kind of odds there, uh, winks kind of odds. Um, so, boys, just to let you know, it was, you know, those odds were that Stoney would pick the exact same people that Snapman picked on every single podcast. So, <laughs> we would have got our first leg up, boys, barring that uh, that decision pick in uh, the second second main event fight. So, uh, if anyone's looking for a quick buck, get on Sportsbet, dollar and two for Stoney to pick the same next week as well. Might even come down to dollar <laughs> and one after this week. Uh, but, boys, with my 10 leg multi, uh, it comes out at $258.19, so tuck 10 bucks on it, $2,581.96 for some sugar value this week. Well done, mate. Good. Well, boys, that rounds out episode 30 of the podcast. If you like what we're doing, please hit us up on all our socials. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. That's us, boys. Episode 30 in the books. My name is Daniel. My name is Sugar Snags. My name is Craig. And my name is Tony. And we'll catch everyone on the next Run It Back podcast. Done. Episode 30. Tony, you know, pick first next week. Hey, fun fact. If I sat out this week and you got every one of your predictions right, you'd still wouldn't overtake me in the leaderboard. No, it doesn't matter. You would actually no, it does, sit out. It matters quite a lot. You'd only sit out if Craig sat out. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason you do it. You killed me, mate. You I'm killed starting me. to feel the pressure of uh, keeping you in the first spot. Mate, I'd love that first spot. 
I reckon what we should do we is speak to the producers? Like, should we should change order every week, go from like first picks first and last picks last, like first, second, third. Fourth. Are you actually seriously concerned about it? No, I'm not. I think it's just funny for a podcast. You know what I think's funny? Is if we go like that, Snags will continue picking in the same position forever. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I think it's a good At least you, you won't forget when it's your turn. Then who's going to go now?